hello, ladies and gentlemen, and everything in between. We're you're listening to ninety point three WMC Upper Montclair with Fandom Fair with Sam and Midge. So anyway, hello. Sam is going to rant about <laughs> something that I've wanted to rant about for like six years. Finally, and never had the platform. We've been plan. We've been. We've had this topic on like our list of topics since the beginning of this podcast, which uh, this was podcast about show. I made so I made this podcast about four years ago, but we only came on the radio three years ago because that's yeah. when we started going to school here. Okay, school. Um, but I this is a topic I've been wanting to talk about since my freshman year of high school, but I never had a platform to talk about it, whether it being a paper or spoken word. But now I'm gonna talk about it. Also, so, because I know what she's talking about now. <laughs> yeah, I basically also had no one to talk to me. Like it was gonna be me rambling insanely with no one knowing what I was talking about, which will probably be my lovely audience right now. Um, I'm talking about Red versus Blue, which if you don't know what that is, Red versus Blue is a the longest running internet web series. Started in 2003, and it's still technically going. It's still technically going, and it is a show that uses the halo game uh the video game where you kind of if you bob your head up and down it looks like you're talking you know how like in any video game if you bob your head up and down you have like specific move it's like a first person game you're able to move your screen it looks like you're bobbing your head up and down yeah. and so it, it utilizes that to make it look like you're talking and they have these characters and what turned into a comedy show turned into a very serious and dark uh plot line it's that classic oh this is such a funny little cute show and it's like darkness death destruction having i've watched red versus like i've only watched the first five seasons a handful of times but everything else i've watched several times (laughs) especially the uh, arc we're talking about which is seasons 11 through 13 and a little bit of 14 um and watch i watched midge you watched it i watched one through five by myself because one through five is kind of, it's a lot of comedy there is plot it's just really convoluted yeah um but it's six onwards it's pretty a straightforward plot yeah so i made you watch one through five by yourself and i was more than willing to watch six onwards with you and we've stopped in the middle of 15 at a on part a where i wanted I, she stopped okay so she stopped the it, it when someone one of my little favorite character in the entire show he got like lethally hurt and then she went Fosse went I'm gonna go upstairs yeah I'm like well time to go to bed <laughs> and I went no Cause, no because I knew exactly the part was coming up because I had watched that season only once so I like it was season 15 so yeah. I was like okay I'm gonna this is like my second time watching it so I don't really remember a lot of what happens but I remember that part because I remember freaking out when I watched it and I was like pause <laughs> and he's like my favorite character and, and i'm I, just so upset i knew now. you would love that character i, I was like she's him. gonna she's gonna love him so anyways there will be a bunch of spoilers super spoilers for almost entire red versus blue especially seasons 11 through 13 i know my <laughs> girlfriend's listening yeah sorry joe i'm spoiling like everything sorry, for you joe. so this is a chorus trilogy so this is literally my favorite arc of red versus blue because of the villains and that is who i'm talking about there are these two mercenaries named Locus and Felix, and they have an amazing dynamic, and that is what is the entire selling point for me of this whole, uh, like, three-arc, sorry, three-season arc. So they're introduced as complete opposite, like, personalities, and they're two mercenaries working on opposite sides of a civil war that our protagonists, the Reds and Blues, are caught in the middle of. 
So, like, I'm going to explain a little bit. Some they were on a ship. They were on a ship. To go back to Earth after this. I I would have to explain ten seasons worth of plot, which I'm not going to do. Yeah. Uh, I think the most we can say right now is that they shut down this program, and now they're done doing, they're supposed to be done doing military stuff, because they work essentially for space military from Earth. The UNSC. UNSC. And so they're supposed to be going home to, I guess, retire or whatever, but they don't and because ship... something happens and the ship crashes. The ship crashes. And they all think they're the ones who actually crashed Which the I, ship. I love that little plot point of where <laughs> it's like Wash, Sarge, Simmons, Griff. And probably Caboose, too. No, I think it was those four who all think that they are the reason yeah. that the ship crashed. And then it, it, it seems like when it sort of revealed that they weren't the ones that everyone was like, yeah, so it, it's probably like everyone had a hand in it somehow. Yeah. <laughs> and they just oh, yeah, no, it. because it was like one of the one of the mercenary pirates was like, it seemed like the ship was trying to jump into slip space and shut down and all at the same time. And so Cause that's because their ship gets ripped up, like ripped in half when it was just, just supposed to be pulled down. Yeah. So, uh... They're, so the Reds and Blues are on this planet that is stuck in the middle of a civil war. And each side of the war has a mercenary. So we have uh, Felix, who is part of... Who is hired by the Rebels, which is the New Republic of Chorus. But I'll just refer to him as the New Republic. Um, and and he's kind, he yeah. just seems to try to convince the Reds and Blues to join the Rebels. And then there's Locus, who just seems to be scary and brooding. And, and he, he works for the, I'm just the federal the army. federal army of course, which yeah. is like the government. Uh, and so Felix seems to know very little about Locus at first, just saying that he's crazy and because he goes by the name of his armor. Locus seems to have an interest in Agent Washington, who is part of technically part of Blue Team. Um, but this doesn't start. This like plot point doesn't start ramping up until season twelve. Oh yeah, and in season eleven, Felix. Like, his personality, to quote himself, is a charismatic mercenary with a rough exterior but a heart of gold. <laughs> he's very personable, and he genuinely seems to want to help our cast of colorful characters. While Locus is seeming to be set up as the main antagonist of this arc. So, season 11 ends. There's not the, I don't have much to say about these characters for season 11 because they're not there a lot. But season 12 is where everything starts to ramp up. Mm-hmm. So, by the end of season 11, the Reds and Blues are separated. Tucker, right. Caboose, Griffin, Simmons are with the New Republic and Felix. Meanwhile, uh, Agent Washington, Sarge, Donut, and Lopez are with the Federal Army, of course, and Locust. Carolina, Church, and Doc are all MIA, but for different reasons. For very different reasons. Uh, this is where you could see both Felix and Locust's, and more of the former's, facade start to fall, which was like built up in the first season. Um, Felix was always kind of smug since his introduction, and he only becomes more smug. And it's kind of shown through throwing around, like just being sarcastic and throwing around our reds and blues of the New Republic. But his motivation for that just comes to seem like he wants to be them to be better. Yeah. He's like, hey, you're in a real, like, this is not a simulation war. This is a real war and there's real stakes. You have to be better. So I'm like, I'm not going to go easy on you. Stop goofing around. <laughs> yeah. And I think the most prominent, oh, hold on. Sorry, I lost my my part. Oh, no. Um, okay. But, like, he has this, like, full, full of himself attitude and just general lack of consciousness. And that's starting to come through. And the most prominent scene I could think of in the first act of season 12 is when him and Tucker... It's, like, in, like, one of the first few episodes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When him and Tucker are on the mission together. Because 
Griff, Caboose, and Simmons are all kind of like in charge of training their teams, but Tucker is sent actually out into the field with Felix. And Tucker gets two of his men killed. And for this, like, thing, for information yeah. to see where the rest of their team are. Yeah. Um, their teams are. And Felix actually applauds Tucker. He's like, well, he, he, he first puts up this act of being like angry at Tucker and then he applauds him. And then he's like, well, it was worth it. He's like, you know, life of two men, but you have this data that, uh, this information that you need. And so we also can kind of see, cause he's talking about why he's with the new Republic and that lack of consciousness starts to come out again when he just kind of says that he's there for the paycheck, which is the alien tech that they're giving him. And what he's going to buy with that. He talks about, like, buying a TV screen the size of a billboard. Oh, yeah. And, uh, but he, he's just kind of like, not that, he doesn't blatantly say, I don't care about these people. But he's like, I have a stake, but I'm really in it for the money. He's here for the cha-ching. <laughs> Season 12 is also where we start getting more characterization for Locus and his fixation on uh, Wash. Yeah. Where his end goal, unlike Felix, isn't money, but to become, quote, the ultimate soldier slash weapon. They kind of interchange what he wants to be. In this season, we also find out that uh, my favorite episode, which I remember watching this. I was in seventh grade when I watched this, so I feel old. Uh. Um, Felix and Locus are actually working together, have worked together on previous missions and jobs and fought together in the Covenant versus Human War, which is canonical in... Like, the canonical war that go is going on in Halo. Essentially, like, Red versus Blue takes place after that point. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, they call it the Great War, which it, like, technically is, but that's what just what... I'm gonna call it the Great War because that's how they address it in the show. Okay. Um, so, Locus believes that Wash could become this ultimate, like, soldier with his training from Project Freelancer, but failed because he has this very sympathetic and caring nature towards the Red versus Blues. Otherwise, he has a conscience. Otherwise known as, oh wow, morals? So, in the climax of the season, we were revealed that Felix and Locus are actually working together and are not loyal to their respective armies, but an outside source that's looking to kill everyone on Chorus. I love how we watched this bit, and then we went, we're not going to watch the rest of this until, like, this literally March. Yeah, like, <laughs> we, we, like, took a giant break. Yeah, just with finals last semester, and we've just been super busy this semester. Now we finally, like, day we moved him back in from, uh, yeah. from spring break. We now finally we just to... kind of sat down and watched it. Now we have to find a time to watch the rest of season 15, 15 and 16 and 17, maybe zero, maybe just to zero. see what's going on. Yeah. Um. So now this is where the meat of everything I want to talk about. Like, a after this point, this is where everything, I'm going to get very in-depth with everything. Mm -hmm. Because so, I want to talk about the dichotomy of Locus and Felix. That's what I'm talking about this episode. So every scene with them together it has significance and foreshadows to the twist end of season 13. So in uh, season 12, episode 10, which is the reveal episode, which is called Cloak and Dagger. Love which it. Because how we watched it together, we watched it in like, Rooster Teeth essentially compiled everything into like parts. So I didn't know any of the episode names. There's some really good episode names in season 12 and 13. Um, and so she told me this this morning. I went, oh! It's so cool because Locus's whole thing is he has a cloaking thing. And Felix and his knife. <laughs> so it's like, uh-huh. And then it, 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 there's obviously, like, not, not I don't want to say double entendre, but it, it, double meaning. Either. Yeah. Um, this is a metal So in, in the reveal episode, Felix holds himself. Because I've studied Felix and Locus, like, a stupid amount for the past seven years, six years, um, down to the animation style. Because... 
they're set up to be very opposite characters and sure. the way they stand but the ba- by the end of this arc not that their personalities switch but the character who you think is the worst one turns out to be the opposite yeah i was thinking that when you talked about how locust was set up to be the main antagonist and by the end of season uh 13 it's like the opposite yeah like it they really i love this there's like two major twists with these characters obviously the reveal and then kind of the standing of these characters yeah because season 11 it's like oh if you, like locust is like this scary guy who has no conscience and like felix is like oh he's just crazy he's kind of yeah. like supposed to be set up a main as a uh it's supposed to be like a meta type character. meta character which yeah. i'll talk about the meta because that does come up again in season 13 oh yeah it does yeah um but the way felix like everything about these characters are contrasting the way felix talks and the way he holds himself is the exact opposite to what locus is and it's you're you're felix is the character who you want to trust because he's he's personable mm-hmm. felix like it's clear that he has antisocial personality disorder which is like sociopathy so sorry sociopathy because he's charming he's charismatic but he lacks a conscience and he's very good at manipulation and i there's several examples i have noted down here of his manipulation so first of all the regular episode he holds himself both animation and in dialogue very relaxed and smug because he's like finally gonna kill the reds and blues he like admits he's like i've always hated you i never lied to you the only thing i lied to you about was that you guys are the galaxy's greatest soldiers no you guys are a bunch of losers and he, he calls them losers, like, a bunch. Oh, yeah. He's, like, a child. On, he's, like, a little boy on a playground. He's, like, you're a loser. Oh, my God. Wait, I'll, I'll talk about the, the, the one dialogue <laughs> that I talked about last night when I was doing my notes on oh, this. Oh, yeah. Um, meanwhile, Locus, contrastly, speaks very tightly. And they almost never... They mocap a lot of Felix's... Like, when he, he monologues a lot, they mocap a lot of his monologue to make him much more expressive with his body he talks with his hands a lot meanwhile they almost never mocap locus and they just keep him in the very tight uh style model, model style of uh halo which is militaristic which is his whole, whole character he just holding a gun so locus insists that they just kill like the reds and blues and that he's wasting time but felix quickly shuts him down instead of wanting to monologue felix admits to manipulating the reds and blues to gain their trust to figure out what they have on the cre- like what they have on the ship yeah and he asked where carolina and church are but not by name so this choice of like wasting time just so he could kind of rub it in their faces leads to them escaping because carolina who has been missing since season the end of season 10 yeah uh she's like i'm here and you just told me everything i need to know and so overall, this scene, it seems that Locus has to keep Felix on a leash and to tell him when and what to do. But this is another facade. Like, there's a bunch of facades between these characters. Like I said, cloak the exact opposite turns out to be true they, by the end of the arc. They are cloak and daggers. <laughs> Gotta, sorry, taking a drink. Yeah, uh, so... In season 12, episode 18, don't, I don't, I didn't, uh, write down any of the titles for this i just remember cloak and dagger because that was such a cool episode name it's a very cool episode name so wash fights locus and tucker fights felix this is the second to last episode of the season right uh so basically they're fighting their narrative foils locus tells felix to go after the sim troopers while he takes care of wash after they incapacitate carolina once again locus telling felix what to do 
in this episode we get a deeper dive into locus's psyche as because like wash is like interrogated like locus is cloaked so wash is just kind of walking around trying to find out where locus is but he's interrogating him as like they're kind of in this stalemate locus insists that wash is wasting his time on the reds and blues and that he can be a better soldier if he ditches them wash admits that he wasn't a good person especially when he was an antagonist to the reds and blues um but he's made because of his caring for them he's made greater strides and he's become a better person but he admits that he was not a good person and but he didn't really have the mentality that locus ever had um where was i uh you oh were, yeah so locus hasn't seen that way thinking wash could essentially be a mindless killing machine which is what locus's end goal is wash as if locus is that's what he wants and he reply like he replies that's what he is at the end of the confrontation locus uh, sorry wash calls out locus's motives by saying quote you keep trying to play yourself uh, yourself off as some sort of weapon that you don't care about anyone or anything but the fact that you're trying so hard to understand me breaks your entire act no matter how hard you may want to be you're not a machine you're a murderer but you hide behind this idea in your head because you're too afraid to take responsibility for what you've done and we'll understand why this like why he has this mentality because locus rarely acts out of emotion Mm -hmm. but in this you can hear him like kind of yell out of anger and he like like i said he does almost nothing out of emotion but he seems to attack wash in out of anger because wash calls him out wash gets into it i like I wish there was a little bit more in season 13 of their dichotomy because Locus openly admits that he's no longer in Wash after Wash kind of calls him out. (laughs) Um, But I really liked, because they were kind of two sides of the same coin. And we love two sides of the same coin characters. Me and Midge love that trope. Where they're two sides of the same coin where they were both kind of used as weapons because that's what the agents of Project Freelancer were. Yeah. Um, and w- but Wash has moved past that. Yeah, Wash realizes that that w- that's not everything. Compared to like Carolina, who's still kind of almost like s- kind of stuck back in that, where she has to like be like almost she's still in that perfectionist state. Yeah, like we see that in like season fifteen when her and Wash are kind of by themselves and they have this very heart touching moment together, which I really like because I feel like they don't get enough screen time together. Oh yeah, especially since like they've known each other for years at this point. Yeah, I really wish... I mean, we didn't... We haven't gotten that since, like, seasons 9 and 10. Yeah. When Wash was, like... This is before Carolina really had a great revelation that she needs to move from the past. Yeah. Because she was stuck in it. And now we see in season, like, 15 that she's kind of moved... She's moving on from being stuck in the past, but she still has that, like... She has a lot of regrets about it, rather. Yeah, like, there's, like, the point when she has Church do all of, like, the different armor enhancements. Yeah, in like, season 13. Like, feels like it's still, like, very stuck-in-the-past perfectionist yeah, Carolina. Yeah, like, Carolina's a really interesting character. I love her girl I love boss. Carolina. Girl boss, girl boss. Um, So, like, it switches perspectives between the Felix and Tucker fight and the Locust and Wash fight. Yeah. So, like, the Tucker and Felix fight, Tucker gets Felix monologuing again. You know. And the entire time, Felix is his body is animated as very loose, and he's making jabs at Tucker as they fight. He rambles on how he manipulated the New Republic, uh, General Kimball. As he speaks, he doesn't seem on edge. No, like he kind of knows that he could take Tucker. Like oh, yeah. he's not afraid, even though Tucker bought a um, an energy sword to a knife fight. <laughs> yeah. 
But, like, Felix is genuinely proud of his manipulation tactics. I'm, mm. like, I have a few quotes. It's like, I gave the performance of a lifetime. I got all broken up, thrown a few dramatic pauses, and they just ate it up. Once the feds and rebels kill each other, I don't know what I'm going to do. We've been playing these guys for years. How do you just walk away from something like that? Like, that's not something a normal person <laughs> says. Yeah, that's so... <laughs> like, I'm, like, I'm not going to do my... F- I know his exact inflection of these. Because he, but he's like genuinely proud of how mm-hmm. he manipulated these people for years. He's like, oh yeah, I just made them really upset by thinking that you guys, by telling them you guys are dead. And yeah, yeah so essentially, what happens after they escape from um, the the reveal? Felix and Locust essentially go to their respective like uh, organizations to say, yeah, the Reds and Blues are like dead. And I'm, I'm sure Locust was just like, yeah, they're dead. Yeah, but Felix put on a whole show, apparently, and, oh, oh, we know you're gonna get to that part about this. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, like, Felix's superior complex really shines at the end of his monologue. For sure. Because he, at this at this point, he has stabbed Tucker, and Tucker's, like, on on the ground, and, like, Tucker's still kind of like, you're such, like, a jerk, because I can't, jerk. I can't use certain words on the radio. Um, on the radio, which is um, 90.3 WMC Upper Montclair, that's the that's it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> so Felix goes, but you know what? It all means nothing. At the end of the day, if I'm stronger than you and if I'm faster than you, then I could kill you. And then that's, and that's better than anything money can buy. And then Tucker reveals that he's been recording the entire time. <laughs> I love that reveal so much. Oh, yeah, because uh, Epsilon comes out. Yeah. And then he goes, what's that? And he goes, oh. This is Church, my AI. And he, he's like, he runs my equipment. What equipment? My body cam, my helmet cam. And he's revealed that he has basically outed Felix as being this manipulator. And that. Well, he's about to. Yeah. Because then Church zooms off into the nearest. Because they're at the, like this communication. Yeah, at the communication tower. Or something. And so. And then Church zooms off into a wire just as the others are going to destroy the communication tower. So he gets it in at, like, the exact last second. So then that is... It's projected all over Chorus. Yep. Um, so that, now everyone knows. So everyone knows that Felix is a giant manipulator and and so is Locust. Yeah. Um, but this is where you, like, the one time... Like, this is the first time, I think, ever that we hear the genuine shock in Felix's voice because he's been outsmarted by someone he thinks is so beneath him. And that he's lost this battle and there can be no damage control because felix can do damage control fairly easily the reds and blues found them out he just told them that they were dead and he did he put on a whole the performance of his lifetime he did um but there's no damage control after this he can't convince people that he's you know on their side there's only war at this point so, would you like to go on a little break before I go into sure. probably about, like, my two pages worth of notes for season 13? Yeah, we can do that real quick. All right, so we're so, going to go on break, and then we'll be right back. Yep. We're back. We're, we're back. We're Fandom Fair with Midge. And and Sam. Yeah. We did it wrong! I, I, are we doing, like, the Game Grumps thing where they're, like, they, like, I'm Darren. <laughs> I'm, I'm Sidge. Sidge. I'm Sad. S- and you're... Mim? Mim. <gasps> Mim! <laughs> You're Mim! Mim rocks! Ah! Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that was a very appropriate song to end off on. Oh, for sure. Because we're talking about Mercs. 
Mercenaries. And, and I played Mercenary by Panic earlier. Yeah. Um, I just we're, like we're talking about Red, talking about Red versus Blue Mercenaries. Um, also, I just I remembered something I I created mm-hmm. when I was in high school, obsessed with this, and like I'm still am, you but know. um. It was big with the Milady thing, because this was, like, 2014 oh, no. Tumblr. You know what I did? Oh, no. The Mercenary game. Oh. <laughs> Which was really bad, but that was just Tumblr humor back then. Yeah. Anyway, I just recapped seasons 11 and 12 about yes. uh, Felix and Locus. So, if you missed that, you're going to have almost no idea what I'm talking about. But, but... if you want to listen to this again... Um, we're on Spotify and Google Podcasts. That I got it right. This where time. we are. Um, at Fandom Fair, F A N D O M F A R E. So if you want to listen to this, or if you want to listen to any of our previous shows, you our can do line. that. Anyway, so season thirteen season opens 13. up with Felix and Locust bordering the Tartarus prison ship. Yeah. Oh, Let's that get... was such a cool sequence. I love, th- I love the whole like I love that whole episode. It's so good. Um, once again, we see Felix using his manipulation tactics to get the crewmates among us. Oh my god, Sam. No. I had the most pain in my head because I I, I read crewmates off the script and I, I heard my horrible girlfriend's voice going, <laughs> Ha ha! Among us! <laughs> so, anyway. I hope that she did that while she was listening I, I really to this. hope. Because she's listening. I know she's listening right now. If uh, and I have a text message up with her right now, so Jeff, you can confirm that if you did say "Among Us," please, please. She just typed "Among Us" in in all caps. Oh. Um. So, anyways, Felix gets the crewmates of the Tartarus ship to trust him before brutally murdering them and taking over the ship. You know, girl boss thing. Locus and Felix. <laughs> they are Felix is a girl. No, it's Felix is manipulate. Uh, Locus is a male wife. And then. Doyle is a mansplain. Uh, so Felix and Locus bring themselves before the prisoners of the ship. Felix immediately takes over the speech from Locus, saying, let the people person handle this. Uh, yeah, the, 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 and he's right. Um, he de- then tells the prisoners if they wish to join the mercs to grab the bars of their cells. And very tightly. Very tightly, and those who don't will be let off the ship. He then hits the airlock, and those who are not holding onto the bars, and even some of them who do... Uh, gets sucked out into space. The it's entire like this one guy, but we'll get there, I guess. The entire time he's making this speech, and he sounds very friendly and personable, and most of all, he sounds genuine because he's like, "And those who don't want to join us will gladly let you off the ship." Yeah, except for like one guy who was the counselor from the Project Freelancer arc, and I guess he's um he he just tied the, the bed sheets yeah. around his uh his waist, but. I, I was really kind of disappointed. I felt like they could have done so much more with the counselor and oh, he was there, sure. like, for not enough screen time. Yeah. Um, anyway. Like, so he's sounding very personal and genuine while Locust just kind of stands to his side in his brooding manner. You know. Um, the next big plot of this season, which is basically... The Alien Temples. The Alien Temples, which is the most... So the most important one out of these two, especially when it comes to their dynamics, is... Their greatest feel- fears are really re- revealed. Are revealed to them. We don't see Felix's, but we see Locus's. And in short, his worst fear is being viewed as a monster, something that Washington has called him con- constantly. Someone has has an effect on him. So we see Felix, we see him and Felix during the Great War, and it seems like they and the other soldiers cannot tell that Locus is a human. Felix insists that they just kill the monster, while Locus, like him in him in the uh this nightmare scenario 
um he's like oh i know i think this monster is scared and their ceo reprimands locust telling him that he's a soldier a killing machine and then he orders felix and locust to go kill the monster so essentially for reference locust is in the monster's position but there's also a version of locust who is like past locust yeah so there's two versions of locust and there's also felix and their ceo yeah it's much easier. It's very. I realize how hard it is to explain this scene. Yeah. When I'm writing it and like, recounting this, because when when you watch it, it makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Um. And I notice this after this episode, Locus's voice becomes less mechanical. The entire time, to- entire show, he speaks. I feel like they kind of drop. They started dropping his voice filter. Yeah. Because like they they add a voice filter to make it sound like they're speaking through helmets, but Locus's were was very heavy, and I feel like after this. They lighten it. They up. lighten it, and he's he's not as tightened when he speaks. Mm. He becomes much more emotional when he speaks, uh, like a lot, a lot, definitely so much more inflection. Uh, the next temple that is important is the one where, so the energy swords in hail and uh in red versus blue are considered keys. What are they in? Ha- are they just funny little swords? They're in just Halo? swords. Okay, cool. I think. I don't know anything about Halo. <laughs> I'm like 98% sure that it's not a key and it's just a sword. And so they just... Oh, it's Energy Sword Sunday. Oh, that's a thing? Yeah. Well, no, it's just every Sunday is Energy Sword Sunday. Oh, okay. So it's Energy Sword Sunday. It's Energy Sword Sunday. Uh, so there's another temple where the, no, the key is at, where Felix goes without Locust, telling Locust to go take care of an ongoing battle. So the leash that uh, Locust seemed to have over Felix in season 12 has seemingly switched hands. Uh, Doyle gets to the key first, where we start to see Felix lose his cool demeanor, but he's still ultimately cool in the face of Doyle when calling his bluff. Once again, showing his superiority complex when he knows he can win a fight. He stays cool, calm, and sarcastic. Especially since this is Doyle, who actually can't fight. (laughs) Uh, Even when Tucker calls him out for losing uh, against them previously, Mm -hmm. he stays... Like, he still, like, no, stays cool because he knows that Locust is coming to get him. Also, I find it funny that, because it's Tucker, Lopez, they find Doc again. Right. And there's another one of the, is it? No. Is it Caboose, too? Maybe Caboose is there. Oh, it's a bunch of them. Because Felix goes, oh, look, it's Lavernia's Tucker and his much less important friends. Aww. So, you know, that superiority complex coming out. Um... But yeah, he stays cool knowing that Locust is going to have his back, which yeah. is a plot point that will come up very soon. But this facade of coolness quickly drops when Felix finds out that he can't use the sword without Doyle being dead, because Doyle touched the sword first. Yeah. Um, immediately suggests to Locust that they should kill Sharkface for no other purpose but for Felix to take his anger out on something. Sharkface is like this guy who was in the Project Freelancer arc, and the freelancers dropped a building on him, and now he's angry at them. So Once again, felt like they could have done them. so much more with Sharkface, but we're not going to go into that. Yeah. Um, Locus takes control of the situation, tells Felix to get it together, the leash seeming to be back in Locus's hand. And then ex- in the next episode, we get more of Locus now talking about to the counselor about the meta. Locus believed that the meta wished to become the ultimate weapon, such as he desires to be, in a dialogue between the two. Uh, um, starts off with the counselor saying, because despite what many thought of him, he knew what he was, meaning the meta... He was at his core, a soldier, and his actions inevitably served the greater good. Locus replies with, the greater good is irrelevant. His actions should have been his orders, nothing more. Counselor goes, no, that would make him a slave. And then Locus replies, 
Would you say that the meta performed at his best when being controlled by Sigma, which was his AI, when the meta showed to be the perfect weapon? The counselor finishes off with saying, you're mistaking and assuming Sigma's definition of perfection. The meta never wanted to be a weapon. It, the meta wanted to be human. Huh? Locus then asks the counselor what Felix is afraid of before being interrupted by said mercenary. But from what I gather from this scene is that Locus is subconsciously trying to justify his own actions and the act of letting Felix control him because that is what's happening even though it's not obvious to him and the audience. Did you want to say something I saw? Uh, <laughs> I'm just thinking about, yeah, the met. Oh, for everyone's just a funny little um, uh, fun fact. The Sigma's played by, Sigma's played, uh, the meta's <laughs> original AI is played by Elijah Wood, a.k.a. Frodo Baggins. Yeah, they got, they got him to play. <laughs> That's just a fun little fun fact. I, I just like, I like how they brought back the meta as just like a topic because really Locus does have like, when we first see Locus, he really does have like the meta's energy of like brooding, silent soldier who's going to kill you. <laughs> yeah, and it once again, it's kind of like, Locus is the a different so- side of the same coin for a lot of characters yeah. where the perfection of Maine and the meadow was to become the most perfect human. Locus is, is to become the most perfect weapon. And meanwhile, the entire time through the, like the meadow arc, the meadow was losing his conscious while Locus seems to be regaining his during his yeah. own character progression. Cause Sigma and the other aspects of the original AI brainwashed Maine. Yeah. It was more Sigma had, um, had basically given he like uh made these delusions of perfection and once uh all the ais got destroyed it just kind of left behind the shell of an angry man yeah because like he hadn't really been in control for years yeah so, like, and then an imp took them out not emp emp it's, they call it an emp in the show yeah you don't remember that like wash is like no it's an emp and like all the rest of oh, right like no it's an emp no. and then and when they set it off uh, uh phyllis is like now it's setting off Emp, and he goes, what? What? <laughs> um, so, the last three k- episodes where these characters are, are the major shift between of dynamics. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. After Doyle's killed in a major battle, Felix now has the sword, but Locus has guilt for the soldiers that they lost. Felix only sees it as a bigger paycheck and proceeds to ask about the Purge Temple. Which essentially means, so this, this temple goes off, and essentially whoever sets it off is very sure that the people of Chorus are a lost cause. It will kill everyone outside of the temple. So Locus points out that their men will still be killed once the purge is activated, and Felix points out very low, he says in a low voice that they have orders, something that Locus can't seem to ignore, that's his caveat. Mm-hmm. You bring up the word order, it's... I, I said this to Midge last night, I was like It's like, like his trigger this. word. Felix is Locus's order 66. Yeah. It is the good soldiers follow order trope. Order. Yeah. Where if you if you give if you tell Locus to do something and you say that it's an order, and he already has this mindset that well I if I want to be a good soldier I have to follow every order mm-hmm. I'm given without question. So which goes back to his fear and the monster and how we see the CEO being like describing what sort of what Locus has become like like you like if you you're a soldier you follow my orders when I tell you to do without question so yeah. that's obviously where it stems from yeah. Um, Felix then says, quote, Locus, when have we ever looked out for anyone other than ourselves? Locus goes, they trust us. Felix goes, and what that gives 
them some sort of immunity. Survival isn't a right, it's a privilege. It's earned. That's the one thing we've always agreed on. And these morals are something that the two have probably gained during their time together in the Great War and their jobs after the aftermath of the war. The next episode, Locus and Felix are have a rematch against the freelancers. Wash tries to convince them to stand down by telling them how many people will die. Locus seems to be hesitant and starts to look away, but Felix physically, like, I think this is so important because not mm-hmm. only is he pulling Locus back with his words, but he physically pulls him back towards his side by putting a hand on his shoulder and, like, kind of, like, he doesn't yank him back, but he just gently guides his hand for, so Locus is closer to him. I feel like that's also, like, interesting because Felix is physically smaller than Locus. Yeah. And so he pulls him back by his shoulder and mentions orders, once again, that caveat coming up, because good soldiers always follow orders. You know. At some point in the fight, Locus has washed at the end, uh, uh, yeah, Locus has washed at the end of a knife, and Wash says, killing me won't make you feel better, it'll just prove my point. Locus's pause, and instead of pushing down on the knife to kill him, he lightens up and he calls out to Felix, who, mind you, is engaged with Carolina in a battle. Yeah, of all people, Carolina, do not be distracted in a fight with Carolina. (laughs) Yeah. She's ne- next boss. to next to Tex in top fighting peak. Girl boss, girl boss. Um, but this moment that shows when... Because Locus is starting to gain his consciousness back. He lost in the Great War, and Felix made sure that he never got it again. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that he washes constantly, since, the, since their first interaction, called out his morals and why he's doing this and what he's doing is wrong, Locus looks to Felix for the answers. That his... That Felix has become his moral compass and his out. So in the final episode where antagonists are, Locus is injured and tells Felix that the mission is failing and that they, they you know, they're kind of told to retreat. Felix responds to them to forget the mission. He uses a much not nicer word. To forget their orders and that Felix is going to do what he wants because he can. It is then revealed Felix's fear is Locus. That due to their time during the Great War, Felix was scared that if Locus was not on his side, not his partner... And not on the end of the leash, Locus could easily kill him. Obviously, Locus fears what would probably happen with an alien. Like, he projected what, uh, in his fear that the alien was himself. Yeah. Uh, Locus was berated into being nothing but a weapon, a killing machine with no regard for others. That was his criticism of Wash, that he had a consciousness and that he cared for people. Felix saw that lack of sympathy as an asset, but knew that he would have to keep Locus on a tight leash. Mm -hmm. Because we were talking about this this morning. Yeah, we were. That... Yes, Felix Felix definitely knows, likes to keep himself above other people. He likes to know that he's the biggest fish. Mm-hmm. And I th- simultaneously, he thinks that Locus is a smaller fish than him, but also a much bigger fish. Like, it, it really depends whether or not, if Locus is off that leash, he's the bigger fish. If he's on that leash, he's a smaller, smaller fish. fish. And so that he, means he needs to keep the leash on Locus so that Locus does not become the bigger fish and eats him. Yeah. So, like... Because Felix is terrified of Locus because he knows this man has been broken by war and yeah. will kill without a second thought. If ordered to. Especially if ordered to. But he also realizes that he can use that to his advantage. Mm-hmm. If, he keeps this per- if he keeps this person on this leash, he can have a killing machine that does not ask a single question and does what he's told. So Felix has this muscle who will do anything for him. Yeah. You know, I'd like to think that Felix's sequence with the fears was, like, a parallel of Locus's, where Felix was in the place of the alien. Mm-hmm. And instead of having that whole bit about, like, Locus, like, being like, no, it looks scared. It just, it just is literally just, like, Locus shooting him. Mm-hmm. 
And so he's just like, because he's scared of locusts. And sort of locusts, more, less of, like, this flashback to what happened. More of, like, this big, like, character looming over Felix. Mm-hmm. I, I wish we got an animation of that because Felix just says it's something out of his nightmares. But I also think it's much more fun for up to interpretation yeah. of what you think happened. That's what I like to think happened. Um, so where were we? Uh, Felix becomes overwhelmed. So Felix becomes overwhelmed by the Reds and Blues and their confrontation. Uh, he's constantly yelling at them in anger he's because a, once he's, he's like idiot. losing that quote because he's not even being sarcastic. He's just like, I'm better than you. I could kill you. You guys are like losers. Losers. Um, but when he sees Locus, his attack dog, he thinks he's safe. But mm-hmm. when Locus refuses Felix's order to kill, he's obviously surprised. So the following happens. Locus says, no more killing. Felix goes, what are you talking about? You're a soldier, remember? Locus goes, I'm not a soldier. I'm a monster like you. A word that Wash constantly called him. Mm-hmm. Felix goes, Locus, we're partners, survivors. We need each other. What about our orders, our reward, becoming the ultimate weapon? Locus goes, I'm not doing this for the reward. I'm not doing this because someone told me to. I'm doing this for me. Which is, he threw this line back at Felix because Felix just said, I'm not doing this. He, Felix goes, I'm doing this for me. Yeah. I love that he threw that line back at him. The, so many lines are thrown back at Felix in this one scene. Oh, it's what he deserves. And it's because Felix is just an awful garbage human. Hate like, this there's, boy. There's no redeeming him. It's like, <laughs> like, simultaneously hate him, love him. Love him. Um, but F- so Locus has finally broken the cycle of abuse that Felix has put him in. Mm-hmm. He's breaking out and standing up to someone who's used his own moral values against him. And he's not making any more excuses for, like, he's not making excuses for either of them. Locus realizes that he never wanted to be a killing machine. That's what Felix wanted him to be. Locus refused to take accountability for the death because Felix gave him that out. He gave him, he's like, oh, well, you kill these people because you're a weapon. You know, that's what you're supposed to do. Because I think at some point, Locus did start feeling guilty. But Wash called, Wash brought it more to the forefront yeah. and said, there's no excuses for what you've done. Because Wash was very consistent whenever he saw Locus, especially after the reveal, after the reveal entirely. Very specifically, whenever they fought, he would bring up the fact that Lo- what Locus is doing is wrong and that he has it in his head that it's right because of the orders. And that, like, that's what pushes Locus to this point. Yeah, because... Felix gave him the out. If he's nothing but a machine designed for war, he could kill as many many people as he wants to. Yeah. If it worked in Felix's fa- it worked in Felix's favor too. He would always have a muscle who would kill whenever gave he gave the order. Uh, and no mindless, conscienceless killing machine. Felix is once again overwhelmed by the reds and blues, and in his final moment, he does what a narcissist tries to do best. He charms. He tries to charm and bargain his way out of his death. And I love it so much <laughs> because. I want to just, uh, like, we have a half an hour left. I think I could get through season 14 relatively quickly. Uh, and then we can, like, maybe... M- maybe get a media talking, but I'm not entirely sure. We might have to save that for next week. Yeah. But, so, they ha- they do this... R- Miles Luna writes this, and he plays Felix, and he does such a wonderful job. Like, I cannot express how much I love season this these three seasons. Because in season 12, during the training, like, the little training montage with mm-hmm. uh, our remaining Reds and Blues and Felix... Tucker goes to throw a grenade at uh, Felix, and he says kind of snarky. He goes, hey, Felix, catch. Felix throws it back, and it blows up in Tucker's face. Yeah, because did you just say they're doing, like, the whole training thing yeah, where they're trying to get Felix? Uh, to, Felix like, to bring them on a mission to yeah, save their... To prove, they're trying to prove themselves. And so the second time that happens, 
Um, it is during the reveal episode, and Felix comes out of nowhere. You know, they're cornered by Locus and yeah. all of them. Um, Felix comes out of nowhere, and Tuck- and he goes, Tucker, give, give me the grenade. And Felix- and he goes, oh, catch. And then he goes, wow, what a good catch. And then it's revealed that he's the villain. The third time it, it is. <sighs> Felix is cornered by Reds and Blues. Locus is not helping him. Tucker throws the grenade to his feet and goes, well, he goes, hey, Felix, catch. And he throws the grenade to his feet. And Felix is blown off the side of the cliff. Because his last word is, wait. He's, like, no, he's trying to manipulate his way out of it. Yeah. You know, one last bargain for his life. And he doesn't even get it out. He's blown off the side of the cliff. And it is such a deserved death. And I love it. I cried at first. Now I'm like, oh, yes, I hate you. Um, so now we're going to go back in time. This is where season 14. Back in time. Uh, don't know. We we have we no exactly exact when. time of no. how far back uh, this mini arc of season 14 is prior to the chorus arc. We know it's after the Great War. It's after sometime after the Great War, but before chorus. Yeah. Um, now we have Faith's animation, so I don't Woo-hoo! have to go just off of body, uh, body mocap and voice lines. Um, I think the first major thing that we could gather from this is when we first see Locus, um, he has an X-shaped scar across his face from reminiscent right. of his helmet from both the Great War and the Course Trilogy. Uh, we never get an answer of whether this was self-induced or from another party. A lot of people think it could have been Felix. Ooh. Um, but we can certainly say this was probably a driver of his persona being nothing but a weapon and a suit of armor. For sure. A piece of dialogue we get from Felix at the end of the episode is they're arguing and he mentions that Locus's brain is broken, that being of his PTSD from the time in the Great War. Yeah. I don't believe Felix has is manipulating Locus to the extent he is in the Chorus trilogy at this time, because Locus actively fights Felix more. Like, more so in the Chorus trilogy, he was, like, kind of berate... Like, I don't want to s- say berating Felix, but he more scolds him than actually, like, argue do, against yeah, what like, they're doing. Really do something about it. Yeah, like, he's, like, actively, like, you're an idiot... You needed you needed to listen to me. He does not f- he does not fight as hard as he does in the core trilogy. So in the second episode, the mini arc, right off the bat, Felix is bantering with their other partner, voiced by Christian Sabbath, apparently. Buck Wild. Um, Mason Wu about whether these hired mercenaries should run a red light. Um, Mason calls Felix by his last name, and Locus uses just yell. He doesn't yell at them. He just goes use code names. Even when it's just them in the car, no one else is with them. Once again, filling into that soldier persona, lack of humanness, because it's, you know, right after the war. So he, not right after the war, but we don't know how much. Mm-hmm. But he's still in that uh, militaristic mindset. And I find it ironic because Locus's name was the first one to be revealed in the arc, and Felix's was the last. Yeah. And I just realized we get um, Locus's full name, yeah. and we get mason's full name well we never get we only get felix's last name which i thought which the subtitles for the episode it said james not gates so i thought his first name was james we find out his first name in the credits yeah yeah it's his first name is never mentioned his his full name is isaac gates this man's name is isaac (laughs) i find it i i don't know too much about like like biblical things but those are two biblical names which i find interesting um Look, his full name is Samuel Ortiz. Ortiz, yeah. But Ortiz, yeah. We, we have 
two full names, but Felix's last name is only revealed, never his first name. It's revealed in the credits. I guess that's just something interesting. That's interesting. Um, Felix has another telling jab when he's talking about what they're going to do with their bounty money. Not knowing exactly what Locus, Locus is going to do, he says he's probably going to use it for therapy. I find it telling because it's assumed that they have spent a large portion of time at, up to this point and that they should know each other a little bit more. Yet Felix knows nothing about what Locus enjoys and yet knows more of the extent of his psychological trauma from the war. Buck wild. So right after this dialogue, their bounty, which is, oh my god. Uh, it's this kid named Gabriel Lozano. Yeah. Who's like this mob boss's son. And so he finds out that their bounty's records are erased. And they suddenly have an innocent man in their trunk. Yeah. You know how it is. Now, at no point do, like, I just want to clarify this. No point do I think that Felix is a good person prior to this. Like, Felix gives me the vibes of that kid who would, like, kill animals for fun. So, like, you know, serial killers. <laughs> yeah, like, he, he is, like, complete socio- sociopath. Um, But I do think that this mini arc is supposed to represent the downfall of both Felix and Locus's characters as peop- as humans. Because Felix suggests that they sell, you know, this kid Gabriel for ransom. And I'm going to describe... Oh, and we should say kid by... We mean, like, he's maybe, like, in his early 20s. He's not, like, a kid kid. Yeah, no, he's, like, somewhere in his 20s. He, this ki- this guy runs, like, a club, but apparently doesn't run it really well. <laughs> so, I like, I realized this because I was rewatching it this morning. This is the first time I watched in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. That these characters are kind of, like, I'm going to infer in terms that they represent the id ego and super ego. Felix represents the id, which is the instincts, and for this example, they need money. And Locus need, knows they need the money to pay for their costs. Felix just wants the money so he could buy things. He wants a new car. <laughs> um, Mason is the super ego, which is the morality, and he, quote, he says, the three of us set out to stop criminals. We do good, we get paid, and everyone wins. Ransom makes us no better than the guys we're trying to take down. down. And Locus resents the ego, which represents reality, in which he agrees with Felix because they need to take care of their cost from the mission and to get rid of this person in their trunk. Felix yeah. also plays to Mason's morality. You know, if we know him by now, he's a great manipulator. For sure. And he says, you saw something in us that we didn't, and you said you saw the good that we could do with our talents. But what you don't see is that Gabriel Lozano is a bad person. His father, Ruben, is a very bad person that pays pe- bad people to do bad things. We hold a son for ransom, F it, let's just say double the bounty, and we're talking money, we're taking money away from Lozano, we're hurting him financially, you see the logic here? We're still helping the city, Ruben Lozano takes a major hit, and we reunite a family. And so, Felix, being ever the people person, is the one to make the ransom call. He start, you know, we finally see what he's like up against the bigger fish than himself, though. He starts off at his normally cocky to- self. This is a quote from the wiki page, which I do have to censor myself a little bit, because God bless whoever writes the wiki page for these, um, for Red vs. Blue, because they do put up a transcript for it, and it goes, says that Felix smirks, sets the phone to speaker, and begins talking that energetic... I think you were going to say douchey. I'm just going to say smug way he does. So during his little monologue, he does this evil laugh that seemed to be both new for Mason and Locus as they look... Like, as they look to each other in concern, but the demeanor slowly starts to vanish when he realizes that they can't sell their bounty for ransom. You know. That Reuben hates his son, and he's like, you'd be doing me a favor by killing him. 
Yeah, so, like, Felix shoots him in the leg. Yeah, <laughs> Felix shoots him in the leg and orders Locus to shut him up when he starts screaming. Mm-hmm. Uh, once again, I believe this to be representative of their downfalls and the beginning of their dichotomy that we see in the Chorus trilogy. But, you know, Felix tells Locus to do something, he does it. Once again, this is the first time that we see Felix kind of out of his depth because he... We get face animation. He, yeah. Like, Ruman is like, I'm going to kill you. And he's like, if I don't kill you, I'm going to go to the ones that you, the people you care about, which isn't so much for Felix and Locust, but for Mason, but he's not what we're talking about. Mason's got a wife. Um, but, like, Felix looks genuinely terrified and out of his death because I think up to this point he hasn't faced someone bigger than him. Mm-hmm. But then he beats someone who's bigger than him. Um, we don't get any of that body language in the Chorus trilogy until his death scene. Like, that, sca- like that kind of scared... Um, yeah. Like, kind of body language and facial... We, we obviously don't get facial expression because yeah. they're wearing helmets. Um, because in every other situation, Felix knew he had full control and that he was going to win. So, once they're off the call, Felix immediately goes to blaming Locus. When in reality, this is all his fault due to his impulsivity because Locus tells him in the first episode that comms won't work because the music is too loud. But then they go upstairs where there's no music. And Felix had thrown his calm into the toilet because they're in a bathroom like getting ready like they're prepping yeah i'm just like so basically he immediately starts he immediately doesn't blame himself because mm-hmm. narcissists never blame themselves they blame everyone else around them he blame he can't blame mason because he wasn't in the building with them so he, what yeah what happens is locus th- they move to take out these guys locus throws a stun grenade and then because he says into his calm saying something like he says something very like soldier like essentially warning um Felix about the stun grenade and then Felix moves around and shoots the two guys and then he gets stunned because he wasn't on comms like he wasn't on comms and, and then, then also, that's what he yells at the end of the episode yeah. he goes how was I supposed to know that you actually meant with the op- what opposite you said with your effing broken brain and um, then also Mason was mad at them because they both also weren't on comms or at least weren't talking to him on comms um so in reality, they're really in this situation because of Felix's impulsivity yeah. and just tossing the calm. But that's also another socio uh, oh, sociopathy And trait. also, like, Felix took off his disguise, said yeah, they their had, aliases. Yeah, like, uh, he used their aliases. He um, took... They, they both had bandanas on their uh, their Face. faces to cover it up. Locus kept his... Like, they had sunglasses and bandanas. He took off... Um, Felix both takes off both of them at one point yeah. when they're in the office of Gabriel and he kind of like lowers his glasses a little bit to show his eyes. Yeah. But Locus, representative of that whole militaristic style, keeps his face entirely covered because he just sees himself. He doesn't have armor anymore, but it's the closest thing he could get. Um, so yeah, really all his fault. So at the very end of the episode, Lucas shoots Gabriel. And even which Felix looks horrified, but I think at this point Felix starts to see the full potential of manipulating Locus because he's like, oh, oh, he'll just kill anyone for me. Well, because he didn't give the order. He goes, he'll just kill anyone without a second thought. But Felix looks genuinely horrified <laughs> because no one told him to do it because they're like Felix and uh, Mason are yelling at each other about this whole situation that they're in. Because Mason's kind of like, should I go? <laughs> No, no, no. Oh, no, that's the next episode. No, no, that's the next episode. No, they're, they're like, arguing about this, you know, that they're kind of, like, in deep doo-doo. Yeah. Um, And Locus just, he shoots him, like, just shoots this dude and goes, code names, and that's how the episode ends. 
wonderful. wonderful. But also kind of shows that Locus does not have that consciousness that he's developed at the mm-hmm. end of season 13, that he still sees, views himself as a soldier because he was broken by war. Um, where are, So the final episode, Locus seems to have the aforementioned leash that I talked about earlier on Felix because he's bossing him more around than he does in seasons 12 and 13 because Felix is starting a fight with Mason again over Mason wanting to leave. Um, like, they almost shoot at each other and... Also, Felix is like, how about we just kill ourselves? Yeah. And Locus is like, no. He's like, you're gonna fight. And he's like, if you use a single bullet on yourself, I'm gonna kill you. And he said, I'm gonna be very upset. Yeah. Which, you know, is implica- implying some gay, stuff. Gay. Gay. Homosexual. Gay. gay. Um, but... Yeah, he seems to definitely have a little bit more control over Felix than vice versa. And also, this is the episode where we kind of see them working much more better as partners. Yeah. And they're more in sync. And it's kind of heartbreaking because they do seem to be getting along by the end of the episode. But we know how it all ends. Yeah. And that was my hour-long scent (laughs) of this. Nearly, yeah. I've had these notes in my stored in my cranium <laughs> for seven years like i genuinely do want to say how mm-hmm. much this arc impacted my life because it really got me into my major which is i'm a psych major um and i was like oh, it kind of made me realize what i wanted to do so these characters are very important to me i love them um used to i used to be much more of a felix fan and then i'm like haha locust baby <laughs> Oh, oh, since we only have 15 minutes left, Midge, would you like to talk about season 15 <laughs> thus far? Uh, okay. Because we... Locus comes back. <laughs> Locus comes back. So, season 15 opens up with, like, these reporters, and apparently the reds and blues are, like, performing, like, crime. They are criming it up. War criming it they up. They are war criming it up. And so, what this one reporter does, I can't remember her name. Dylan. Um, Dylan? Dylan? Dylan, right. It's Dylan Andrews or something. Yeah. And so she's just like... She wants to investigate because the Reds and Blues have essentially dropped off the map after what happened on Chorus, where they free, where they essentially they've technically pretty much re- reunited the world. Um, and so she's like, she wants to investigate. So she kind of goes, ba- she goes back to Blood Gold with her cameraman Jax. 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 Well, she had an original cameraman, then he quit. Now there's Jax, who's an intern. Um, and so they kind of go around Blood Gold and they meet Sister. <laughs> Again. Again, sister's back. And then they go back to Chorus, talk to Dr. Gray, who's a character in the Chorus trilogy. They talk to, Gen- well, now President Kimball. Yeah. She's now president. Good for her. And then, basically, we find out that uh, Kimball set the Reds and Blues up for retirement. Yeah. The thing the thing they were going to get at the beginning of season 10, as in season 10, and then it fell apart. <laughs> so, they're finally on retirement, and I really wish we got to see this, like, as, like, a season of, I w- I of them doing was... nothing. Yeah. Of Just them, back of them, at it. Of them standing around and talking. Um, but we didn't, and it's okay. But they... <sighs> so major they... spoiler oh. for the end of season 13. Like, I haven't to spoil this entire arc. Yeah. Church dies. For real this time. For realsies. For real, for real. And We they... don't get to see... Oh, man, I'm so pissed that we didn't get to see, like how the final it, fight yeah um so they 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 get this transmission where they think church is alive 
And so they are obviously going to go run off and try to save Church. But Griff yeah. is like, nah. No, I'm, I'm done chasing after this dead guy. Like, the past ten se- like the first ten seasons are all about Church. Yeah. And he goes, I'm done. He's like, I'm, I'm retired and I'm going to stay retired. Good for him. Um, so... So they go to, um, this other canyon. <laughs> so, I'm not gonna get too much into the blues and reds. I really just want to talk about the one scene. Okay, so essentially what happens is that they get captured by the blues and reds, and then they send Lopez off on, like, a missile, and he he ends up in Locus's ship. And so Locus goes back to where they were having their retirement, and there's Griff. And Griff- Griff's gone insane. Because he's, he's done a... He's got he's a done castaway. A, a castaway. Where they he has all the volleyballs with their faces on it. Yeah. Um <laughs> Churches is deflating. Churches like like volleyball <laughs> is like popped and it's so f- like re- like really like you won't find this funny unless you have watched a substantial amount of Red versus Blue. So like me and you. And Joe. It's literally so funny. Oh my god. And then Locust comes and he's like, You're literally insane felix is like oh my god you're gonna kill me griff is like yeah oh yeah sorry and basically locus has kind of said that he's turned over a new leaf essentially and he's trying to help people now and griff hasn't talked to anyone in a couple weeks he's obviously homosexual gay homosexual for simmons because he's constantly asked about simmons yeah and then he's asked he's going on this like rapid fire questioning Locus and he asks if Locus misses Felix <laughs> and I literally like I forgot it because it's been a couple of years since I watched season 15 I watched it when it was coming out and I remember his I exactly hysterically left the same way yeah because it's basically asking, like hey do you miss like your abuser and manipulator oh my god which me, me and Mitch have also talked about like the the missed angst opportunity of Lucas oh. going down the cliff to go see Felix's body, but I've read enough graphic fan fiction <laughs> about Felix's mangled corpse and Locus being like both simultaneously relieved and sad. I would just I would love a little spin off show of either the previous animation style of season fourteen where we have the face animations I would, or I would just love a little. I would even take a little nibble of an episode of um. Locust turning over a new leaf and Absolutely. like. Absolutely. I'm trying to think of like a show that does that where it's like really awkward for the character. It's like teeth girding that they have to be nice. Avatar: The Last Airbender. Yes, baby. exactly. I want, I want Locust to have like a Zuko moment, where he's really trying to be good, but it's yeah. not working out. Um. Anyways, we're we're in like the last ten minutes, so we'll start wrapping up. Yeah. I can't highly recommend Red vs. Blue enough. It's it really deserves all the love and hype. Unfortunately the later seasons do kind of, like I feel like the show kind of goes on a not a downward spiral, but it's not as good as after season thirteen in my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. Um I be- did enjoy season fourteen. Season 14's fun. It's a fun little anthology series. Because I also had, like, a very big moment of nostalgia because there's a death battle-themed episode, and that's what I was watching in middle school. So, like, I was like, oh my god, it's death battle! It's Wizard Boomstick! I was so excited. Yeah, there's, like, 
Red versus Blue really deserves all the love and hype it really gets, unfortunately. Like, the fandom has kind of died because of the lack of content, and now they have a soft reboot show called Zero, and none of the original characters are in it, and it just seems like any remaining fans of Red vs. Blue just think it's garbage. And then there's, like, this other series they have running on the Rooster Teeth animation channel that's, like, Family Shatters or something? Well, I really believe that that Red vs. Blue stopped getting the love it needed because of the hype that Ruby has. Yeah. And I think all of its money and production really goes towards Ruby because Ruby is its main... Like, Red vs. Blue was Red, uh, was Rooster Teeth's moneymaker for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Because um, Ruby came out in 2013, which was Rooster Teeth's 10-year anniversary. Um, So, Ruby blew up, and unfortunately that is when uh, Red vs. Blue kind of stopped getting the love and attention... But once again, the show has been going on for 10 plus years. I don't know what else they could possibly do. So it's kind of bittersweet that it's like the main story's over. I don't, I haven't finished it. I think I watched up to season 16, but I kind of fell off. Yeah. I have to watch season 17. So it is kind of, for me, who's watched Red vs. Blue for a majority of its runtime, because I watched it in, uh, elementary school my stepbrothers had showed me it and then i was like no really big to middle school so it is bittersweet that it's over but i'm also like how much more can you do at by season 16 and 17 like they're fighting gods i don't know how much bigger i don't know what else you could do with these characters they've already kind of done their thing yeah so it's bittersweet but i i love this show will always have a soft spot in my heart just like i do for ruby Mm-hmm. Except I have much less criticisms for Red versus Blue because it's just a fun <laughs> comedy show at the end of the day. Um, the one Ruby's fighting is somewhat annoying to me at points. Um, but I think that's all I have to say because I, 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 I'm also a little bittersweet that I finally did this episode, one that I have been wanting to do for so long that I finally just got my rant over. So I guess thank you for joining us on Fandom Fair with Sam. And Midge. So, uh, if you missed this episode and you would like to listen or you want to listen to any of our previous episodes, uh, you can find us on Spotify and Google Podcasts at Fandom Fair, F-A-N-D-O-M-F-A-R-E. And Midge, would you like to give the socials? So, we are on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, which is fairly new. So, our Twitter and TikTok are the same as our Spotify and Google Podcast, F-A-N-D-O-M-F-A-R-E, Fandom Fair. And our Instagram, because we couldn't get just fandom fair, I really have to go and check and see if I can get it again, is fandom underscore fair. So just a slide a little underscore between the M and the, the second F. F. And that's our Instagram. So thank you so much for joining us on 90.3 WSC Upper, Upper Montclair. Montclair. Wash your sheets. Clean. Wait. 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 Bru- Clean your sheets. Right? Yeah. Brush your teeth. Clean your sheets. Take a shower. You're a little smelly. Oh, stinky. Drink some water. Get some food in you. Um, since Sean isn't here, I'll tell. Um, I'll say his line. Uh, touch some grass. Does Joe have a line? Joe doesn't have a line. She just does whatever her <laughs> brain thinks of. So I don't. I I can't do a, a Joe line. Um, but thank you so much for joining us. We hope you have a wonderful day, and we love you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. <laughs>